does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Welcome back to the drivehubler.com studio. I'm James Boyd alongside Eddie Garrison, Jimmy Cook. You're listening to 107.5 The Fan Midday Show. Having some great vibes, some great music there from Eddie. Podcast listeners, I'm sorry. Hear our voices, but not our singing, you know, during the break. But Probably um, for the best. <laughs> probably At least for me. I don't want to speak for you. <laughs> I mean, I got some pipes, man. All I, right I can sing. All I can right. sing. Badly. Again, that's why I didn't want to speak for you. (laughs) (laughs) But obviously, we'll keep this conversation going when it comes to the gambling allegations for Isaiah Rogers, what it means, and who better to talk to about that than Justin Lewis, who covers the Jacksonville Jaguars for the Florida Times Union. And Justin, to start off, man, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thank you again for reaching out. Like I said before, um, I'm doing good, man. Well, look, I appreciate you taking the time, and I figured no better person to ask about the situation than you because you're covering someone who's come out on the other side of a gambling investigation, a gambling penalty. And so what did you see from Calvin Ridley as far as what he learned? I read your story. I thought it was really good. You all listening can check that out you know, at you know, jacksonville.com. But what did you think of the way he's kind of bounced back from it? Yeah, so the first thing is – when the Jaguars acquired Ridley, they had no clue when he would be back. So with these type of suspensions, it was an indefinite suspension. So they they had him on the team uh, as a piece, but they couldn't. He couldn't be around the team. They couldn't talk to each other. They couldn't really communicate. So it really affects that part, that aspect. And the first thing he said was it was the worst mistake of his life. He did a Players Tribune article back in March. Mm-hmm. and said he paid the price. So for all of these guys to, you know, still be getting roped up in this, I'm sure he's not happy about that. But as far as him, he, he said that he feels refreshed. He said that he feels like he's, you know, as healthy as he's been because he wasn't playing for a year. Um, and he, he just seems like he's enjoying himself being around a team again because when you're when you're suspended from the league – for gambling, you can't communicate at all. You can't be in the locker room. You can't, you know, talk to guys. It's just you're pretty much isolated. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a really different world when you when you have that penalty happen. I think you said something interesting that maybe we haven't discussed enough is that usually when these violations happen, the suspension is indefinite, and it's not a guarantee that you're just going to miss a year and come back. So maybe you can explain a little bit. What is the process of reinstatement? Is it just literally asking the league, um, can I come back? Or, or what do they have to do to prove that they're worthy of being in the NFL? I know it's a case-by-case basis, but just based upon your uh, you know, coverage. Right. With Calvin, it was a situation where once the league year ended, there was a period where we thought he might get in, reinstated, but we didn't have a definite date. So – I heard you before the break. You said you just have to keep your phone on uh, and keep checking Twitter. (laughs) That's pretty much how it goes. You just have to keep waiting for the league to say, okay, you are able to be reinstated. You're able to start back communicating with the team and start participating in team activities. 
So that was just a really, you know, kind of hurry up and wait time because the Super Bowl happened, the the league year ended, and then it was, I think he got reinstated in March, like March 5th or something around that time. And it, it was just a period of, we have no clue when this is going to happen, but when it happens, you know, you can fully be a participant of the team again. Justin, I know the suspension was laid down while he was in Atlanta, but when you look at the Jaguars acquiring him and the comments that he's made since then, it it appears like you would expect anybody that has made a mistake. He's remorseful. He understands that he, he... got caught up in something he shouldn't have been. He's moved past it, and he's ready to get out there and play for the Jaguars. But in real time to you, did you have the same reaction that myself and James did when the suspension was laid out, which is, okay, the NFL is laying hammers down on this particular issue for the sake of integrity of the game. This is going to be a poster child for other players, and this will hopefully push back and stem away players that want to bet on games. The exact opposite has happened over the last 12 months. Are you surprised by that? 100%. I I felt like the suspension, the, like Calvin Ridley, he's, he's not, you know, one of the most known guys in the league, but he's a, he's a known guy, you know, he's a pretty well-versed guy in Atlanta. Um, And for him to get a suspension like that, where it's like, okay, you're indefinitely suspended. So that could have been one year. That could have been two years. That could have been, you know, however long, and for guys to still, again, be getting roped up in this and, and to still be making these mistakes, I, I think it's kind of surprising to me because, like, if you see what that guy went through, like, for a lot of these athletes, football is all they have, football is all they know. And for that to be taken away from them, if I know for Ridley, he said it put him in a depressive place where he wouldn't leave his home. He left Atlanta, came back to Florida to live. He wouldn't want to, you know, see his family. He wouldn't. He would just, you know, basically be in the house because he's not able to do the one thing that he truly loves. And I think, you know, the NFL tried to make an example, but they might have to do a little bit more. I don't know. It's sad to say, but guys are still having this issue. So, yeah, yeah I do. One hundred percent. I'm surprised. Yeah, I mean, I was shocked. Obviously, when the news broke on our end about Isaiah Rogers senior again all alleged until we get the ruling and things like that but to pivot away from the gambling aspect of it and focus solely on the player Calvin Ridley obviously he adds something to the Jaguars I've read your coverage it seems that there's some excitement down there in Duval County which may not be what Colts fans want to hear listening right now but what does he do to help continue the ascension of Trevor Lawrence, who we saw last year take a step forward? I I really think it's his versatility. Um, He's such a good route runner. You can play him at different places on the field, whether that's inside, outside. And with a coach like Doug Peterson, I think that's going to be one of the things that the Jacks try to emphasize. Like, you're not going to be able to box him in. You you won't really know where he's going to line up a majority of the time. And then it's his athleticism, OTAs, you know, it's we get to see three of the ten or however many, but in those small sample sizes, you can already see just how much of a freak he is athletically and how gifted he is athletically. Um, he's made a few catches that have just been like jaw droppers. He, he's, he's really just, I think, 
like I said, the versatility of him is, is going to be the biggest thing for the Jags. And then he, he adds another sure-handed target for Trevor, who, like you said, he Trevor took that first step. Now it's just about his ascension and seeing how much he can really rise in this league with uh, you know a lot of the other quarterbacks, uh, a lot of them being in the AFC, and just seeing where he may land by season's end. So given where the rest of the division is, here in Indy, they drafted Anthony Richardson. You know, with the Texans, they drafted C.J. Stroud. The Titans drafted Will Levis. The only team that really has a clear, you know, quarterback situation that isn't, you know, kind of uh, up in the air is Jacksonville. And do they think, you know, because the sense around here is that it's their division. You know, at least that's my sense. I won't speak for anybody else. But do they have that feeling down there where that team believes it's our division we should run this and we should be hosting a home playoff game, you know, after these 17 games are up. I, I will say there is a sense, but they're, they're not entitled. Like they're still working hard. They're mm. still one thing that Doug said recently is, you know, last year is last year and you can't, he can't as a coach, let that be the only, you know, good thing that comes out of his tenure. Like it happened. Mm. Now they're just trying to build on it. And I think, it kind of shows in OTAs, which again is it's very small viewing portions, but they've had about ninety percent. I think they've had eighty-eight of their ninety players on most uh, media OTA OTA availability, availability. Excuse me, and it's it's honestly just a team that you wouldn't think made it to the division round and was a, a touchdown away from making it a game against Kansas City. Like, you wouldn't think that about this team. This team, I feel like they're still hungry, and I feel like they're still young enough to kind of have that mentality where it's like them against everyone else. So, Justin, I want to talk about Josh Allen for a second, if you're not you, but if the listeners are unaware, outside linebacker Josh Allen, not the quarterback Josh <laughs> Allen. He's entering the fifth-year option on his deal with the Jaguars as a rookie, and in researching for our conversation today, there's a number of different angles from those on the beat of whether or not this is a non-story or whether it's something that should be monitored closely and keep an eye on. I know Doug Peterson said earlier in the week that he expects him to be at the mandatory minicamp next week, but perhaps he would waive the mandatory veteran status for those camps like he did last year. What have been your overall takeaways on Josh Allen to this point? And is this just a, June non-story it's eventually going to work itself out or is there some serious contention there with Josh Allen knowing this is a contract year for him yeah I think it's really a non-story um the thing about Josh that a lot of people don't get to see he's one of the hardest workers on that team um I remember for training camp last year he was in the building at 5 a.m I don't think players had to report until 10 he's a guy that is always there early. He's always working after practice. There will be days during the season where I specifically need him for a story or I'm looking to talk to him and I'm waiting in the locker room, you know, 30 minutes after practice ends because he's still talking to his coaches on the field, still working to try to get better. And I, I honestly think it's just one of those things where people are looking for that one thing that could, could potentially be a story or they're looking for that one bit of content. So for some people, it may be a story, but to me, it's it's not a story. Um, 
he's been a captain, I think, for the last two years, maybe three years. And he, he's honestly have, he has the respect of the locker room. And I think he's just a guy, you know, that that's the best way to describe him. He, he's a guy that comes to work and he works hard. And Doug did waive the uh, mandatory minicamp for veterans next week. But Josh still might be there. There, there's a chance that he'll be in the building working because he was one of those players that didn't come to OTAs. But the talk has been that he um, has been working out individually on his own. So I, I think it's a non-story personally. But you know, it, it's June. What what else are we talking about <laughs> in blue ball? So it is June, but I'm going to fast forward the calendar to when the Colts travel to Duval County. Do they get a win <laughs> to end their drought there this upcoming season? You know, it's tough to say. I, I, so I was not aware of the string of losses until I think two years ago. And don't that say that; the, it makes us feel worse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry, but that was the Urban Meyer team, and that was the. You know, it, it was just a lot going on. The fans were in the in the stands with clown attire on. And then that team went out and played their hearts out. And then last year, you know, Matt Ryan throws the early interception. And he just, I, I don't know, that, that team again plays their hearts out. So it's hard to say. I don't want to say no just, you know, because I cover the Jags. I, I, I'm curious to, to see if Anthony Richardson is starting by then because I think that's the, what is it, like week, week six. five or week six, week yeah. six game. So I'm curious to see if Anthony Richardson is starting by then, and I'm curious to see if he's not, if Gardner Minshew comes out with a little extra oomph because that's you know where he got his start. So it, it's just a lot of factors. It, it's so far away. Um there's a chance anything is possible. That's what KG said. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. Oh, man, he gave us a nice political answer. But, look, man, we really appreciate <laughs> your time. And I'll make sure to chop it up with you when I get down to Duval County when you head up here as well. I'll see you for the season opener, Justin. And, again, you can check out his work at Jacksonville.com, man. You take it easy. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. All right, that was Justin Lewis. You can follow him on Twitter at Justin Lewis. It is J-U-S-T-O-N, Lewis underscore. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Fan Midday Show, Jimmy Cook, James Boyd with Eddie Garrison. Kevin Bowen going to join us here in just a second, but this from Tom Pelissero about two minutes ago, now official, no last-minute trade materialized for the Vikings. They're releasing four-time Pro Bowler running back Dalvin Cook. Be free to sign with any team later today, so keep an eye on that. And then that goes back to our conversation yesterday. Eddie had a nice article on this on 1075thefan.com regarding that conversation and the situation <laughs> touch that you promoted Jonathan it Taylor's, oh Jonathan Taylor's contract that, that's the never kind plug of guy. him again the kind of guy I am you know I just look out for I'm my just team so touched Jimmy I, I appreciate you. you yeah I appreciate you too Eddie glad I glad I could help I you out great great, great work serious. on your part 
Speaking of another writer from 1075thefan.com who has can't miss content with his Colts OTA notebook, week three just wrapped up. See, I, I do it for everybody, but it's got to be quality. If it's not quality, you're not getting that kind of plug. Kevin Bowen is quality. KB, how are you on a Friday? Jay Cook, I appreciate that. That's That's very nice of you. <laughs> no problem. Glad, glad to help it out. That was only slightly less weird than, than Eddie's very, very soothing thank you that I got. Uh, let, let's let's dive right into the pool. I know you've had a, a week of shows to discuss it and wrote about it as well on 107.5thefan.com. But in terms of, Kev, since you've been on this beat, where does this Isaiah Rogers story rank in terms of just weirdness and becoming quickly a new normal or a reality of what can happen and what can get you in trouble in the National Football League? It's a good question. Um, you know, maybe the weirdness would be like picturing a story like this three, five, seven years ago. Like the level of weird was probably a little higher, but picturing the weirdness like just three weeks ago or three months ago, not at all. I mean, to your point, this is. It's a new norm. I, I have a feeling there is an Isaiah Rogers on every NFL football team. And I, I could be overshooting that. I could be undershooting it. But I, I would venture to guess there's some version of it. In every locker room, obviously, some teams uh, have had bigger. Some teams have uh, been similar as the Colts with just one player. So not just totally stunned in the present day and age of 2023. And knowing that, you know, some guys, you know, continue to think that, that, you know, they are bulletproof no matter how great of an opportunity. They could be facing, and uh, I'll continue to talk in the present tense of Isaiah Rogers for now, but he is facing a golden opportunity to, you know, set himself up for generational wealth and, you know, potentially be a, a key cult for the next three years. And now is all, uh, all of it is very much in question with what he's done. KB, first I want to say you're the fastest typer I've ever seen in my life he, he always like files his notes and everything's up on Twitter like literally within like an hour and I'm like this guy is a machine like he's unbelievable but anyway when we talk about Isaiah Rogers senior and the situation that he finds himself in how much of a distraction do you think it is for the team particularly because they're going through such a change at quarterback at coach yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, you know, I don't think as much as just kind of the headline screams or how much attention that you have to give to the story. I, mean, I thought EJ Speed and Zaire Franklin and the Kylan Grant and the various guys that that spoke today, I mean, or spoke this week, I, I thought they were pretty candid and pretty honest with the remarks. And I think there was a level of this is June. I mean, certainly once you get to training camp, this is way on the back burner in terms of a storyline, at least I assume it will be. And once you get to the start of the season, you almost forget about Isaiah Rogers, as, as bad as that sounds. I, I think there's an element of this is just kind of life in the NFL. Like, guys get hurt, guys get suspended, and, you know, depending on the level of name of the player, you just kind of move on with it. I do think where it is, again, maybe not a distraction, but it is certainly notable. I mean, can you imagine if you are Darius Rush – or Dallas Flowers, or Tony Brown. I mean, you have gone from, yeah, I don't really know what the role is going to look like for me this year, or, you know, we'll see how the depth chart plays out. And now at that position of a extremely young and youthful position, it returns virtually no one, uh, not named Kenny Moore, from last season. So I think that is probably where it's felt. It's like, wow, that, that depth chart – 
Isaiah Rogers at wideout, Isaiah Rogers at tight end, like that equivalent of him, probably doesn't draw as much attention. But him at corner, where you're already really young and there's already been tons of turnover from last season, that's where it probably draws even more headlines. KB, do they stay young at cornerback, or do you think they should go out and try to find a veteran at this stage of free agency? Yeah, I think they should stay young. Um, I know you're really, really young, and that's a position that you can get exposed pretty quickly. But, again, I, I'm, I'm kind of content with that mindset being the big-picture view of this season, particularly on defense. You know, I, I've said this on the morning show now for the last couple of weeks. You know, in some way, right now, you'd probably question the depth chart at corner. You'd probably question it a little bit at safety. And on the offensive line, I'd say just in general, you'd question the depth and what you're doing at right guard. Outside of right guard and the depth on the O-line, though, I, I'm content with the youth movement at the other spots, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I could see, I mean, Ballard has been a guy that even though it might look glaring on a depth chart, He's been a guy that's kind of been like, oh, yeah, um, let's play the youth. And, and it almost seems like he's kind of there at corner of, hey, we've drafted three guys this year. You know, we, we do feel highly on Dallas Flowers. Let's just kind of roll with that. Now, again, expect some growing pains, certainly. Uh, there are names out there. Um, I'll be interested to see how they react to it. But I, I could see them just continuing to stick with the youth. And, again, Considering what this season, in my opinion, is all about, I'm good with it. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Kevin Bowen with us on the Fan Midday Show. You can follow him on Twitter at KBowen1070. KB, just a couple segments ago, we were discussing Gardner Minshew and looking around at the other high-level rookie QBs and what their depth charts look like. I know there's a debate that we're having here and there's always never ending question when a rookie QB is selected is oh when are you starting him is he going to start right away do you sit him for a year how long do you wait to push that button when I look at Houston and I look at Carolina and Frank Reich's already said earlier this week that he's taken that next step as Bryce Young to him inevitably being the week one starter but when I look at those teams even though Minshew's better than any of the backups on those teams I'm not starting Minshew over Shroud or Young in this scenario because I want to see what they have and I think they're ready. I feel that same way about Anthony Richardson as I think you do, but what is it that is is holding that aspect back? I know that's hard to partially answer since it's not training camp yet. We're still in OTAs, but is it the reps? Is it the age? Why is it that we have a different viewpoint with Minshew here, but if you put him on any of those other rosters, if I was running them, I'd likely start Stroud or I'd like Young without even thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, probably is just how lack, and I hope I'm answering in the way that you want. It probably is just the general lack of playing time he enters the league with. I mean, DJ Stroud, multi-year starter. Bryce Young, multi-year starter. I mean, hell, Will Levis is a multi-year starter, sure. and Richardson was was not bad. And it's just how 
how limited uh, that playtime was. I mean, it, it's astonishing. I don't know if people fully grasp the astonishment at the lack of experience he walked into the NFL with and the lack of completion percentage he walked into the NFL with. Um, I thought I looked it up the other day. I went back just the last three years in college football because I think the college game has changed so much and passing offenses have changed a whole lot, even in the last five to ten years. And I believe of the quarterbacks that had thrown, I think Richardson threw at least 300 passes this year. Of the QBs that had thrown at least 300 passes over the last three years, his completion percentage, I want to say, is like 177th out of 177 quarterbacks. I mean, it's it's dead last out of these these last three years of guys that continue to start for as long as he did in that single season. Most guys obviously would be benched at some point during their careers. And, of course, Richardson brings other impact to the game. Um, from a running element, that probably was a big reason why he stayed in the lineup. So I, I just think it, it, it's such a rare, rare um, profile of a guy that now is entering the NFL and not only entering it, but being the fourth overall pick and seemingly could be starting. And, you know, he's young, you know, just turned 21 a couple weeks ago. So I, I would say the, the reason for it right now, again, is just because of how limited he was. But I mean, if I was, Houston, if I was Carolina, if I was Indy, and this is just my general belief, I know that you can point to examples, and the guy in Kansas City is certainly one of them, of guys that have sat and have played great. But I I don't look at this season like, okay, boy, if you start Richardson, man, that might be 5-12. and Start Minshew, you could win a couple more games. Who cares? Like, does 7 or 8 really change the view of this season? The Pacers just won 35 and people want to have a parade for the Pacers season, and, and like understandably so. And it's one of the worst seasons that franchise has had in about 12 years. But they took the right steps individually outside wins and losses. And I know that's a loser mentality. I know it's not how a, a lot of professional sports franchises you know, want to be viewed, certainly in a multiple-year standpoint. But in this little bubble of 2023, the only thing that matters is Richardson's development. To me, more than wins and losses, the only thing that matters is how he looks at the end of the year and how he is growing into 2024. I completely agree. You sound like Jimmy. I know he's nodding his head over there because I've been playing devil's advocate for the longest time. Like Maybe the gap is so great from Anthony Richardson to the NFL that he needs more time. I don't think it's a failure and indictment on him if he isn't the week one starter. But we'll see. Obviously, a lot you know, to... I guess go through and then also we'll uh, continue to wait on UKB to ask Shane Steichen who's the starter and um, <laughs> we'll continue to watch him shoot you down <laughs> but um, yeah I've gotten to Kimbe Matumbo at a lot of those press conferences that's alright shooters keep shooting baby that's what I'm saying like Allen Iverson you just keep bringing it into the paint among the Giants I respect it but on Amen. a more serious note we have seen some flashes from Colin Granson throughout OTAs maybe it'll carry over into the veteran minicamp but what do you think of the opportunity he has in front of him in this offense and you know does it feel like a make or break it season for Kylan Granson considering how loaded that tight end room is just as far as bodies and different styles I mean James every day we've been out there I mean he's consistently I think shown shown up and, and been consistent as a performer as well, which I think at times you're like, okay, how secure are those hands? So big year for him. I mean, year three, year three of any rookie contract or any rookie, uh, any player on a rookie contract, considering those are you know mostly four years. It's a huge, huge season. And this is a big spring because every day we've been out there, Jelani Woods is watching. 
Mm -hmm. Drew Ogletree is watching. Will Mallory, the rookie out of Miami, is watching. So all three of those guys are banged up right now. So, I mean, it's really him and Mo Alley-Cox as the two main tight ends with the first unit and and sometimes even that that second unit. So huge for him. Uh, One of the few questions Shane Steichen has, I think, answered the last couple weeks. Uh, You know, he was seemed pretty optimistic about what Granson has shown. And, you know, Kylan, who's never lacked confidence, but I, I think he felt feels pretty good about where he's been at in the spring period. And, you know, I, I just tweeted out before I hopped on, I would say one bummer for Richardson and Minshew this spring is, like, I get to the end of practice and I, like, look at my notebook and I'm like, who are these num- What are these numbers? Like, who are they completing these passes to? I'm like, who is number 12? Who is number 15? Who's number 9? Like, they are not getting the chance to complete passes to guys that you would think would be out there this fall. That's just the health of the wideouts and the tight ends. I mentioned the tight ends that have been out. We've been out there for three OTA sessions, one each of the last three weeks. No Pittman, no Pierce, no Josh Downs. And that's probably wide receiver one, two, and three. So um, I do think when you get to camp, depending on what happens next week, I mean, that could be really the first time in 11-on-11 11 11 sessions that Minshew and or Richardson have thrown to any of these guys. So, Granson's taking advantage of it, but I think bigger picture for the team, you know, some, some growth has been stunted or halted a little bit just by their lack of availability. KB, on Monday, you had a piece about Quiddy Pay come out. About a month ago, Lara Overton was in here, and we talked to Quiddy. Uh, this is year three for him, but when you look at it, after this season, the Colts will have – uh, the the chance to pick up his fifth year option. So how big of a season is this for Quiddy? Not just for himself individually, but for the def- for the defense moving forward. Yeah, huge, huge, Eddie. Um, you know, again, it's kind of going off. It's pretty much a pseudo contract year for him, and that the Colts have got to make some statement with their actions on what they think of him come next next spring. On okay, do you pick up that fifth year rookie option that you have for first round picks or? Do not, and then do you let him play out that that contract? And, you know, the Colts haven't had many first-round picks in Ballard's tenure. Malik Hooker and Quentin Nelson, and then after that you had that that, that, that gap where you traded your first-round pick for Buckner and you traded out of the first round in that other draft. So um, he hasn't had many of these decisions to be made. And I thought, you know, Pay really took a step forward last year. It was just more availability where you got to the end of the year and he had missed a handful of games through that high, high ankle sprain. and uh, But I felt like when he was out there, you liked some of the strides that he was taking. I think you still want, to, want him to take another you know, step forward and obviously prove his health. But also like get to the end of the year and you're like, all right, this dude was a 10 or 11 sack guy, but it wasn't like a Yanni Kingakwe 10 or 11 sack. You still felt like in the place he wasn't getting a sack that he was able to you know wreak some havoc and probably more of a three-down guy, of course, than – in Gakaway as well. So Bernard Ryman, Quiddy Pay, you know, due to Anthony Richardson, due to Shaquille Leonard and their name recognition and their respective storylines, those two names and Ryman and Pay won't be like the frontline storylines entering camp. But if you get to, you know, mid January twenty twenty four and you can sit there as a franchise and say, We feel really good about Quiddy Pay moving forward and or we feel really good about Bernard Ryman moving forward. That is monumental to the future of your franchise at critical positions and ultimately supporting Richardson because then you aren't restarting. You know, Tara Glenn was already in place when Peyton Manning was, was drafted. Anthony Costanza was already in place when Andrew Luck was drafted. That was huge for those guys and having that left tackle out there and feeling good about that. 
with Luck, you had to chase the pass rush draft pick time and time again in his tenure. And with Manning, you, you hit on Freeney just a couple years into it, so you didn't have to chase that anymore. So when you have that young QB, you're trying to support him. The ability to kind of cross those needs off the list and not have to chase it in the draft, vital. Kevin Bowen with us of Kevin and Query. You hear him 7 to 10 here on The Fan. Also the Colts beat writer at 1075thefan.com and host of the Kevin's Corner podcast. Kev, I mentioned at the top of the conversation a shout-out to your running mate there on Kevin's Corner and Eddie Garrison with his piece about Jonathan Taylor and our discussion we had yesterday. I want to clarify this on the front end with you. You hate it as much as I do. Like I, I hate conversations that are just had for the sake of it's June, but this is a real issue now as you continue to see running back after running back that signs a deal while they're young while it seems like good money and then at the end of it they're either being traded or they're being waived so this isn't necessarily to put too much pressure on the Colts but you and Jake have had this conversation when you look at Jonathan Taylor and let's just operate under the assumption that he has a bounce back year not quite the triple crown season that he had in 2021 but a high level year where he wants market reset value money how are you balancing that in terms of the amount of years you'd be willing to go versus knowing that if you do go too long, you're setting yourself up for a very tough, complicated decision down the line like Carolina had, like Minnesota had right now? Where are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, and first off, I think it's a totally relevant topic. I mean, trust me, hand raised, we will try and manufacture, manufacture <laughs> sure, some, sure. Some, some, some topics here <laughs> over the next month and a half because welcome to being in a market without an MLB team hey. in June and July. Hey but considering Dalvin Cook's situation, considering how Chris Ballard typically hands out extensions around July and August, this is very relevant, and he's a great, great player at a position that a lot of teams just do not value in the NFL like they used to. So, uh, to me, it is really, really relevant. Um, Having said all that, and I think my opinion probably differs from the Colts, just I'll say that up front, I am probably giving Taylor no more than, I would say, two, maybe three years. Um, And, again, I know that differs from the Colts. And, you know, we had George Bremer on earlier today, and I know James feels the same way I do, really respect George's opinion. And George kind of threw out that, that, that five-year number. And I think he was saying that a little bit more from the Colts standpoint of like what he thinks they would do. Uh, to me, that's just too much. And, and, again, Taylor, incredible talent. And there are a lot of reasons, I think, to think that Taylor could be an anomaly, considering that he has been so durable. Now, the counter to that could be Father Time started showing his head last year. And Taylor, probably more than any running back in the NFL right now, had workload in college unlike anybody else. I mean, Wisconsin gave him the ball every single frickin' play. So when does that kind of add up? Um, you know, I said it to George earlier today. I, part of me would do this. I'd let him play out the rookie contract. That's this year. Then I'd slap the franchise tag on him, and then I'd probably let him walk. And I know that's on – there's a lot of people that could say that's pretty disrespectful to Jonathan Taylor – Nothing against him. Um, love how he plays. Love how he's wired. It's just don't have your kids grow up and be running backs. It's just that that is such an issue, I think, in today's NFL and how that position is viewed. And I get it, especially when the guy does not impact on third down. And, and I think with Taylor, he's not shown that ability to, you know, I, I think at times last year, he had some blocking issues on third down. Yes. And, you know, he's not Alvin Kamara. He's not Christian McCaffrey. So, um, I know we're nitpicking with him because he's a great talent, and you want to support Richardson. So I do think keeping him around for, again, in that kind of two- to three-year window, 
makes some sense. But, you know, from Edrin to Joseph Adai and Dominique Rhodes or, you know, how these teams are reacting around the NFL, I think those that part of kind of roster building makes sense. You know, if I named the 20 Super Bowl winners from the last two decades, you guys could all name the quarterbacks pretty quickly. Uh, we would probably struggle to get to all the starting running backs on those teams. So that's how I kind of view things with Taylor. I think Pittman is more of a priority or should be more of a priority to resign than Taylor, even though you would say Taylor is the better player. Um, so, again, this is my opinion. I, I don't think Ballard agrees with that at all. And I could see them definitely giving him some four or five year extension and doing it here uh, before the start of the season. Leading rushers in the last 14 Super Bowls have made no more than two and a half million dollars. Just want to throw that stat out there for what it's worth. Insane. And is it, it's Leonard Fournette, right? Atop that list, I yeah. think it was. Yeah. Maybe Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. yeah. Wild. It's wild. KB just reminded me that when I have kids, not to make them running backs. And obviously, <laughs> that means my beautiful, muscular frame. I'm I'm joking. I'm like a buck forty right now, <laughs> soaking wet. But um, hey, you got a good third down back frame. You got a good little back frame. Oh no, I have a uh, good you know press box frame where I sit down and I watch large men do what I will never do. Now we talked about Pittman a little bit there. How do you think those negotiations will go? Considering that he, unlike unlike John Taylor, hasn't had like a all time great season for the franchise. But he's also been put in a unique situation where he hasn't had stability to even perform at his best at his position. And then also, he might not be physically as gifted as a true number one receiver, whatever that means. Yeah, it's all very important conversations to be had on that front. You know, I think you bring up several good points there. I looked up the other day, over the last couple of years, I want to say Pittman is like, 24th, 23rd, somewhere in there in receiving yards in the NFL. Um, and then I just then I looked at the names above him and looked at the quarterbacks of who was throwing to those guys versus Pittman. I mean, so Pittman has caught balls from Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Nick Foles, and Sam Ellinger. I think I have all of his quarterbacks right over the last two years. I mean, holy hell. You know, I, if I'm his agent, I just <laughs> – I say to Chris Ballard, yeah, these are the these are the QBs, and let me know what you think of those QBs because I think your actions have spoken louder of what you've done with those QBs after the seasons that they've been here. So, yeah. you know, again, is he a top 15 wide out of the league? No, he's not. But when you're trying to support Michael Pittman, and I don't think we look at Alex Pearson think like unquestioned number one. I don't think we look at Josh Downs. And, again, this is me – just kind of stating of what the wideout depth chart looks like. Like, I think Downs can be a really important piece for you. I think Pierce can be a really important piece for you. But it's not like anybody is waiting in the wings to be that number one wideout for you. Um, I think at some point, it's not like you're spending the money on anything else. You do bite a little bit of the bullet and you pay Pittman. And you certainly continue to look for wideouts. And, you know, when you think to the two quarterbacks that are most often – compared to Anthony Richardson for various reasons. I think it's Josh Allen as Jalen Hurts. Well, what happened when Josh Allen got a guy like Stephon Diggs? What happened when you know, Jalen Hurts got a guy like A.J. Brown? Pittman is not those guys, but again, you need to have somebody else as you try to continue to get those guys. So um, I think Pittman's a guy that is worth betting on, continuing to be consistent for you, continuing to be an important guy for you. Just because he's not one of the dudes in Cincinnati or, you know, wherever, doesn't mean that you're in this luxury position where you just let him walk. I mean, do you want Alec Pierce and Josh Downs to be atop the depth chart? 
as Anthony Richardson reaches the most critical parts of his career. Oh man! Um, so I I would I would hand that twenty million to him, and I know it's an eyesore, and I know some people would push back on it, um, but I that's just how I believe the NFL game operates. That you need to have some support there at wideout. And again, I think uh, you haven't done any any service to Pittman in terms of the quarterbacks that have thrown him the football lately. Do you think they go veteran route with cornerback? We always joke about Ballard's willingness to spend or not to spend during off seasons. Guys like Marcus Peters, Eli Apple, just to name a few in terms of high-level name recognition, Kyle Fuller. Is there a veteran brought in here once the Isaiah... I mean, I, I guess that's a two-part question because I was going to say once Isaiah Rodgers is gone, but like... Kev, assuming this is a year-long suspension, they're going to cut him, right? And and I guess that's a two-parter. Are they going to cut him, and then do they go the veteran route, or do they ride with the rookies? Yeah, I would assume that they cut him, but again, I want to emphasize that that, that assumption part of it. Sure. Um, and, and we'll have to see if the types of bets and all of that is, is true. I mean, for what it's worth, Isaiah Rogers released a statement. That statement had, what, five or six sentences into it? I didn't read one ounce of trying to uh, discredit or challenge the allegations that were against him. Um, so I think that is pretty telling to you. Uh, you know, it kind of goes back to my earlier point. I've seen Ballard at, at some positions in the offseason, Jimmy, kind of sit there and say, you know what, I'll roll with the youth. We, we've drafted these guys. Let's, let, let's go with it. And I'm totally fine. Position doesn't directly impact Richardson. I would be good with it. You just laid out some names that are out there. Certainly there are some guys that – have resumes in the league and you know is there an element of like hey let's just get a body in here to be a veteran like part of me almost looks at Brashard Perriman right now as a first round pick and by no means am I saying this is the signing and honestly the reason I thought this is probably not very isn't a ringing endorsement of what I think he can bring to this football team but this is a 2015 first round pick that never sniffed living up to first round pick potential like for one season so is there any element that he can bring to that room of like hey Alec hey Michael this is what I didn't do right. Like, if I was 23 again, if I was 24 again, this is what I would do. Is there any part of that you want to get into the cornerback room, seemingly Kenny Moore and a bunch of 22-year-olds there? I know there's a couple guys that are a little bit older, but um, I I could see Ballard rolling with what they've got right now. Uh, But it's been a little bit just not hugely disappointing. But Juju Brent's having the wrist injury, unable to participate here in the spring. But Darius Rush has been sidelined the last two weeks. He's a guy that I, I really, really like out of South Carolina. He hasn't been out there. So, I mean, boy, Dallas Flowers, here you go. Here's the starting job. Do with it what you want. You know, Tony Brown's another guy right now. Daryl Baker Jr. I know these aren't household names, but these are the guys. So, a Dallas Flowers, Juju Brent, Kenny Moore trio, week one. That would be my assumption right now with you know Darius Rush, Tony Brown, and Daryl Baker knocking on that door. All right, KB, in conclusion here, it is Rosie Bowen's birthday either this weekend, right? It is Rosie Bowen. Yep, yep. I'm going to Bluey tomorrow at Old National Center. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I have heard of Bluey. Yes. yes. Uh, were you able to secure yeah. the pink cake? That's my big question here so in conclusion. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I can go ahead and say, say the place on air. You know, I, I filled out the order form for Taylor's Bakery earlier in the week. They've charged my credit card. Um, I, I did not get any confirmation email, so I maybe should deliver a phone call to them just to make sure because I'm imagining the waterworks, Rosie and I walking in there tomorrow morning to pick up said cake and said cake not being there. But I feel like the charge of the credit card is a good indication there. So, yes, we're, we're going pink cake for the party on Sunday. 
We'll be rocking in the old National Center with Australian dogs. Bluey coming up tomorrow at 2 o'clock. And, uh, yeah, welcome to Parenthood, baby. <laughs> any decorations on the cake, or is it just a, a pink cake? Is there any theme with it? Yeah, we got some. Yeah, yeah. I, I requested some flowers in the corner. Um, Ooh. can't remember if I put bows on there. You know, she's ro- we, we, we call her Rosie Bow, uh, so, you know, hence the last name. I know mm, it's kind of cheesy. Well done. Uh, but I, the em- emphasis was heavy, heavy pink. It was purple last year. We've migrated to pink this year. I'll keep you posted on what four-year-old life will bring for Rosie. Well, uh, thank you for the play-by-play. I will take your word for it on adulthood and parenthood and all those things. I'm going to try to take a kid as long as possible with no responsibilities on a Saturday (laughs) afternoon. (laughs) But, uh, KB, thanks for your time as always, my man, and I'll see you real soon. I I have to laugh. Whenever, you know, parenthood or, you know, parenting young children get brought up in the Colts media room, the look on James Boyd's face, it's honestly the best birth control probably possible out there for James when when, when he has to witness. I guess it would have been Zach, but certainly – Certainly, Joel and I, and uh, and a little bit of Stephen as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it just brings up anxiety for me, so I'll, I'll pass uh, for the foreseeable future <laughs> for sure. But I will see you soon, KB. Bye, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks, KB, too. That's Kevin Bowen. You can follow him on Twitter at kbowen1070. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Still here in the DriveHubler.com studio, I'm James Boyd alongside Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison, you're listening to 107.5 The Fan, the midday show. Hope you're enjoying your Friday, getting ready for a awesome or an awesome weekend. My mom will tell me to make sure I pronounce my words better. And uh, we have a very special guest on the line, someone who I enjoyed um, following from afar when I was doing the NBA beat, uh, Katie Wingy, who is a TikTok star, if you don't know, along with being the Denver Nuggets reporter for Altitude <laughs> TV and you know host and other hats and names and things like that. So, Katie, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm honored that you just called me a TikTok star. That feels very generous. No, it very is. Very generous it's, of an intro. I will tell all the listeners out there, you go follow her right now. It's, it's really cool. I think you do a great job showing what it's like to be in your shoes and sort of that behind-the-scenes aspect of this team. And obviously this team is in a unique position where you all are um, on the brink of doing something really special. So I guess I'll start with Chris Haynes' piece that I saw where he reported that Nikola Jokic actually spoke up after game two to kind of grab the team's attention. How rare is it for him to be that sort of leader? Because it does seem like he's very much lead by example, but I guess after game two, he needed to say something, you know, to the team. You know, what's interesting is that Joker was asked about that yesterday and he said, I really don't remember saying anything. (laughs) So I don't know if there was a, a misreporting that was happening or if maybe just some communication got lost in translation, but Jokic was like, I don't feel like I said anything. I don't feel like I stood up and said anything after that game two loss. And to be honest with you guys, it was a variety of different players saying different things. This veteran group with this Nuggets team has just been so instrumental in getting them where they are today. And they, DeAndre Jordan, Ish Smith, KCP, Jeff Green, all of those guys, and the fact that they were talking about 
effort after game two and not putting your best effort forth, something that the Nuggets have complete control over, that was something that really rubbed them the wrong way. And I know that the veterans weren't the only ones that felt that. So it's one of those things where Nikola Jokic probably spoke up as well and said, hey, we need to be better. We know we're better than this. I'm not sure that he was the only one that spoke up, but he definitely, when he does speak, everybody listens. One of those guys you mentioned was Jeff Green, someone who our listeners may not be aware, he had open-heart surgery years ago, and his future in the NBA at the time was in question. And here he is all these years later on the brink of winning an NBA championship and obviously trying to seize a game tonight to really put a stranglehold in the series. What does he mean to this team as far as leadership, character, and just how to be a pro? So much, so much. He's taught these young guys. I can't even put it into words, to be honest with you. And more than that, it's him and DeAndre in particular. They're like BFFs and total buddies. But both of them, the way they show up every day for this Nuggets team in terms of leadership, but also in terms of just personality, like being joyful, being fun, smiling, not taking life too seriously. I think it reminds some of these guys that are playing really heavy minutes, like, it's basketball. Like, we don't have to take it so seriously. We care about it, and we're serious about it. But it's okay to show up and, like, laugh and have fun and have a good time doing what you have set out to do and and chase a goal that you have set out to accomplish. And so Jeff Green, he keeps guys locked in. He gets on guys when he needs to, especially in huddles. He's constantly talking about coverages and where guys need to be and where the Nuggets need to be better. I think he's harsh when he needs to be and and is fun when he needs to be and just has such a, a gift, a talent for sensing what this Nuggets team needs and when they need it. Katie, I know your focus is on the NBA Finals as it should be, and that's such a unique opportunity as a reporter, as a host, as an analyst to see the team that you cover make this run to the Finals that Denver's on. But when you get an interesting wrinkle that's thrown in today where the Thunder and Nuggets are a part of a trade that involves potential first-round picks, uh, obviously for Denver, years down the line, or for Thunder, rather, years down the line, but for Denver, 37 and 40 in this draft... And with how the CBA is changing to make it more difficult for teams to acquire veteran talent, is the biggest takeaway from this trade, it gives general manager Calvin Booth more opportunities to acquire low-cost contracts as this extended championship window is built out for Denver? 100%. I think it's just trying to keep that championship window open for longer and to give them a little bit of wiggle room to use their money as they please. I just mentioned those veterans and thinking about them not being around is like heartbreaking at this point because obviously you hope that this ends the way they want it to with the Denver Nuggets team. And Jokic talked about that too. Like he was asked something along the lines of, is this the most meaningful basketball that you've played? And he instantly went to, it's meaningful because we have a bunch of guys who haven't accomplished this before and they deserve it. And I want to do this for them. And so he, he called out those veterans right away and was like, they've been here and, and they are so important to what we do and who we are. And I, I really want them to experience this more than he even talked about himself experiencing it. So I think that with that in mind, they're trying to stay young, stay fresh, look for some talent that they might feel fits really well with the Denver Nuggets team and keep that window open as long as possible. I think a perfect example of what you're talking about as far as him loving his teammates, Jokic that is, is with the interaction we saw with Monte Morris after that game. And I was like, wow, like that is the most lit up I've probably seen Nikola throughout this series as far as emotion and things like that. And so when we look at how he plays, who he is as a person, as a leader, how unique is it to cover someone who 
I think people still don't want to give him the crown of being best player in the world because it doesn't look a certain way, but by God, it looks amazing to me. So what is it like to cover someone who is dominant, who is a great player, who is one of the best players ever, I think, and will never say it or lean into it ever himself? Well, I love that you said that because truthfully, I don't think that he really cares. And that's something that is just unbelievable to me because, I mean, he doesn't care about the stats. He doesn't really care about how well he plays. All he wants to do is win a championship. He just wants to win basketball games. And so when you're around him, you recognize that for him, this, this isn't so much about the accolades and the history that he's making. This is so much more about the relationships that he has and the culture that he's embraced and what this Nuggets team has really built. I mean, he said it a couple times, like, this is something that's so special. This is, they have an opportunity to do something that's so special. And for him, he cares much more about, you know, his teammates and the people that he's met along the way and having his family along for this ride. And at the end of the day, the basketball is going to stop bouncing at some point. And for him, he knows that, and he has a life outside of it. And, and sometimes for him, it's like, I'm just going to clock in and do my job and do it the best of my ability and, and try and do something special. But it's really cool to see him be a human being on top of just being a basketball player. Yeah, it's awesome to see. And I think one of the things that just blows my mind is he's in that 1% of like players who are all-time greats to me. Now, people can argue about it. I think if he retired tomorrow without a ring, with a ring, he'd be a Hall of Famer. That's how great I think he has been the last few seasons and where he's kind of risen throughout his career. But um, looking at how he's played off of Jamal Murray and you being around the team, you saw firsthand the struggles that Jamal Murray has gone through. I mean, I saw it myself here when I was still on the Pacers beat. He would come to, you know, to Indy, and he had these big, huge ice heads on his knees. He's warming up, but he didn't even play that season. So to see him bounce back, play his best basketball on the biggest stage, how gratifying is that and how galvanizing is it for the entire team? There's maybe no one I'm happier for and that I feel like deserves this more than Jamal Murray because of what he's done behind the scenes, the work that he's put in, the adversity that he's overcome. And his teammates and his coaches feel that same way. Like, they're just beaming with pride when it comes to Jamal. And everybody was like, okay, what's he going to be like when he comes back from his ACL? And is he going to be able to replicate the type of performances that he had when he was in the bubble? Some people thought that that was the best he, he would ever be. And for him to come out and be playing at a consistent playoff level, proving all of those people wrong, like, hey, that, that was just a glimpse of what I'm capable of doing in the playoffs. Or that's just a glimpse at what I'm capable of being as a basketball player, regular season, playoffs, whatever it might be. I mean, he has just exceeded all expectations. I think even like within the Nuggets fan base, everybody was, was willing to – really be patient with him and give him the grace of like, okay, it might take a season or two for him to come back and be 100% himself. It it didn't take that long at all. He is back and, and better than he's ever been and honestly, like playing his best basketball right now. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Katie, there's many pieces within these role players on the Denver Nuggets that have led to the 
consistency and the dominance they've had during this postseason run. But still, anytime you're able to make an impact as a rookie in the playoffs, let alone the NBA Finals, is is stunning and is something that we can all appreciate. Having seen Christian Brown throughout this season, are you at all surprised at the way he's handled this moment in terms of being called upon in meaningful situations in the finals? Surprised, yes, but only because I've only known him this season. Like, I, I haven't known him as a person past this point in time. And so with that in mind, what I've learned about him is he's absolutely a winner in every way, shape, or form. Like, handles himself like a true pro, even though he's a rookie. And then, on top of that, he fits the Nugget system so, so well. His game is perfect for what the Nuggets do offensively. The way he moves off the basketball, the way he plays really, really tough defense. He's disciplined in what he does. And that part of his game has just been so seamless in finding a role and finding a name within this Denver Nuggets offense in particular. What do you think of the way he handled himself after he was benched earlier this postseason and taken out because he had some defensive you know, mishaps and things like that and maybe not pouting when a guy his age and his position may feel like, I don't know what to do now. It seemed like he kind of just kept his head down and didn't take it personal. Will you repeat who you're talking about right now? I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, Christian Brown. Um, yeah, no, he, again, that, that just speaks to his maturity level. That just speaks to who he is and the way that he carries himself. And I think everybody knows going into your rookie year, like there are going to be some trials and tribulations. There are going to be some bumps that you have to handle and learn from. And a lot of rookies don't play at all and, and have to kind of deal with that after being very crucial players on their college teams. And so, Again, the way that he has handled that, the mentality that he's stayed in, having great vets, like I talked about earlier, that's made all the difference in the world for him. Like, okay, this is how it's going to be. And I'm just, anytime I get an opportunity to step on the floor, I'm going to do my absolute best to contribute in a positive way. So heading into game four tonight, obviously this is a game that could really swing the series in favor of the Nuggets. What must they do to oust the Heat, who throughout the postseason seem to have had an answer every time they've been punched? Yeah, I guess I'm going to go with what can they not do because they can't beat themselves. You can't turn the ball over. You can't have messy turnovers. That's where the Heat really, really thrive is scoring in those types of situations. Um, and the Nuggets just have to continue to defend at a high level. That, that's what they did in Game 3. They were all over the Heat being on a string. Their rotations were top-notch. They were much more disciplined and focused on the game plan. And, and so it's kind of a rinse-and-repeat scenario, right? Like, it's like, okay, we got to our spots. We were much more focused. How do we execute on that level once again, knowing that Spolstra and Miami are going to throw everything they have at the Nuggets in this game for? As a storyteller yourself and someone who likes to peel back the layers, how cool is it to see on both sides Nuggets Heat guys who have had such unique pathways to get to the NBA Finals and have this opportunity, whether it's undrafted, whether it's the injury aspect of the Jamal Murray, MPJ, whether it's, you know, I was drafted during a Taco Bell commercial or the Jimmy Butler <laughs> yeah. who was, you know, not expected to be what he is now. How cool is it to just see, like, all of those stories kind of manifest themselves in this special moment? It's amazing. And honestly, it's the easiest thing to root for. I think it's so good for the game and being able to expose and show off some of these players that maybe don't get all of the attention that some of the other players have gotten in this league because it is a superstar league. 
And so to be able to explain what some of these guys have been through, how they've gotten to this point, it's so relatable. And like I said, it's easy to cheer for on both sides. Like you root for guys that have been battle tested and have been through some tough times and have still found their way and are still able to inspire people and be role models. And those, I feel like, are are the best showcases for the NBA and for the players that are within it. Katie, this is a team that, Reminds me at times when they're flowing offensively to the extra pass, flashiness, just beautiful execution and team basketball that we saw during the height of the Golden State Warriors days. There's other times where they can beat you in a lot of ways in pick and roll and isolation. They, they, they do it at a number of different levels. Uh, that's a long preamble of saying that a lot has been made nationally about the struggles the last couple of games of Michael Porter Jr. and Contavious Caldwell Pope. Michael Malone pushed back on that in press conferences in recent days, talking about they're better, clearly better players than what they've shown the last couple of games. But at this point, with how Jokic and Murray are playing, does it matter if they're having those off nights? Because clearly it didn't in Game 3, because you got the points elsewhere from guys like Christian Brown, and then Jokic and Murray were carrying the day. Yeah, you need help from somewhere else, right? Like if Jokic and Murray are going to play at that level, but it doesn't really matter where else it comes from. If it's Christian Brown, great. If it's Aaron Gordon, great. If it's Michael Porter Jr., fantastic. If it's KCP, amazing. If they can find the rhythm, obviously that makes the Denver Nuggets team much more of a threat. And I would imagine that the Heat are kind of going to play those percentages in tonight's game in particular and make KCP and MPJ kind of prove that they can make shots again. Um, so their focus will be on somebody like Aaron Gordon and not giving him easy, easy looks. I, I'm I'm totally behind Michael Malone in this situation. Talking with KCP and Michael Porter Jr. the past couple of days, both of them still feel very confident. And when they're open, they're going to shoot it. And that's what they need to do for the Denver Nuggets team. All of their teammates want them shooting those shots. They have complete belief that they're going to knock those in. So at the end of the day, you hope that they're able to mix in a few more makes. Both of them believe that they're going to do so. But Game 3 was a great example. The Nuggets just need some sort of supporting cast, whether it's one guy that has a massive game or as a collective unit, everybody chipping in. Katie, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you something that's off on a tangent, but I know that you celebrate others a lot. I want to celebrate you and what you've done with your career. And um, if you had any advice to the young girls, young women out there who want to be in your position, cover a league, because I wholeheartedly know this to be true, the men's leagues that we amp up would not function without the women who help run them. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you had just a bit of advice for those dreaming of being in your position, um, what would you say? That's such a great question. Thank you for asking it and giving me an opportunity to kind of touch on that a little bit. Um, I think that first and foremost, you have to know that there is a seat at the table for you and you belong and believe in that wholeheartedly. Like find your voice, be confident in your voice and know that what you bring to the table really does matter. And then it's just a process of, of working as hard as you possibly can. I mean, say yes to everything. I did that at the beginning of my career and it ended up getting me where I am today just by getting as much experience, as much opportunity, meeting as many people as possible. But it all starts with a belief in yourself that when people tell you no, it might just be yes in another way. It might just be transforming your path to what you thought it was going to be. So I think being able to outwork people is so, so important and just showing up is half of the battle. Well, thank you so much for your time. And again, I'm rooting for you. Always will be, again, following you on Twitter, TikTok, everything else. Keep up the great work tonight and good luck. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. That's so kind. All right. That was Katie Wingy. Covers the Denver Nuggets for Altitude TV. She does hosting, broadcasting, sideline reporting, TikToking, all those things. Great to talk to her as well. 